Do you want to meet Andy Russell? Do you want to see a studio preview? Do you want to take a Hollywood tour? Yes, the American Broadcasting Company presents Hollywood Tour, a program for the millions of Americans who would thrill to the drama of Hollywood if they could see behind the scenes. And here to tell you all about it is Hollywood's favorite man about town, Photoplay Magazine's ace news reporter, Cal York. Well, greetings, greetings to all of you. Here in the most exclusive broadcast to originate in Hollywood, we're making it possible for many of our friends to realize the dream of a lifetime. To see movies in the making, visit homes of stars and the high spots of the town. Each day, we ask our guests a question. And the first two ladies who answer correctly are taken on a magic carpet tour of Hollywood. Today, the question is, name three popular motion picture stars whose last name is Scott. And if you at home don't know, and I'll bet you do, we'll give you the answers presently. Right now, I want you to meet the two lovely ladies who took our Hollywood tour yesterday. Mrs. Larry Graver, recently of New York. Where did you live in New York, Mrs. Graver? In the Bronx. Do anything fascinating there? No, just sat around and waited to get married. (laughs) (laughs) Seems a reasonable occupation. My second lady is Mrs. Curtis Jackson of Inglewood. What do you do in Inglewood, Mrs. Jackson? We have a baby shop. You do? Do you have any babies of your own, too? Oh, I have three of them. Oh, then you know all about it, don't you? Shopping and babies. We've had uh, Gail Patrick and Benny Barnes in our program talking about their baby shops. We're delighted to have you, Mrs. Jackson. Ladies, after our broadcast yesterday, you were on your way to the famous Brittingham's restaurant to have lunch with Lum and Abner and... Mrs. Jackson, didn't you find them completely natural and unassuming? Oh, I just thought they were swell. They were so much down to earth and just like anyone else. Well, next door uh, neighbor. Tuffy Goff, who plays Abner, is particularly fond of his youngsters. Did he talk about that? Oh, yes, he did, but I think I just out-talked him this time. I talked about mine, too. <laughs> How old is your oldest, Mrs. Jackson? My oldest is 10. And Tuffy's is what? 13. Mm-hmm. So you were comparing notes on oh, boys? Yes, they're both boys, and uh, we were discussing the fact they're so dreamy, and he said that... That'll pass someday, but I don't know. Gee, mine isn't dreamy yet. He may be a little backward. <laughs> <laughs> How about that Lumberger, Lum's invention that you had for lunch, Mrs. Graver? Oh, I, I'm still trying to decide what it was made of. <laughs> what the Lumberger is made out of? I think that's a secret, but we uh, might be able to describe what it looked like. Well, it... When they brought it out on the plate, it really looked lovely, just like an Easter bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> I've never sunk my teeth in an Easter bonnet. Oh, it <laughs> I'll have very, to have a Lumberger. It looks well, very pretty with a big black olive stuck on top. Mm-hmm. I wonder how Lum would look with a big olive on top. <laughs> well, they're both grand guys. And after lunch, you were on your way to Universal International Studios to watch the filming of Jeopardy. And uh, whom did you see there, Mrs. Graver? Oh, we saw Ella Raines and Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. And, uh... What were they doing when you saw them? Well, they were rehearsing a scene in the library. I think she was his secretary. He was sending her on an errand. And uh, not very much, but she looked very pretty. Oh, I think she's <laughs> lovely. And a secretary, too. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Tell me, uh, Mrs. Jackson, uh, what was your impression of Vincent Price? Well, I was really very surprised. He was uh, usually uh, typed as a, a pretty nasty man, and he was so very congenial and very nice to us that I really was shocked. Well, you know, I think that the that the audience sometimes gets the wrong impression of people from their roles on the screen, don't you? Mm-hmm. I should You say. were honestly surprised then to find what a nice guy Vincent oh, Price is? Oh, I just thought he was very nice. And we've known that all along. Well, now, uh, what sort of part Ella plays a uh, secretary, you say, in the picture, Mrs. Graver? I think so. How was she dressed? I know the ladies would like to know. Oh, she wore a very pretty black sweater. Mm-hmm. 
And a nice, tight-fitting skirt. <laughs> Just the thing for a secretary. Well, we'll be looking for Jeopardy. Well, back at Hollywood in time to see the Lum and Abner program, what was your keenest impression of Lum and Abner at work on their show, Mrs. Jackson? Well, I thought they were just as casual as they could be. At one minute before the broadcast, they weren't anywhere in sight, and we were all getting very nervous. We didn't know whether we were going to make it or not, and just then they fell into place and at right on time, and they were very busy making their own sound effects, and I thought they were just like they were playing house or having a good time. Well, may I say that you're both just as casual and natural here as Lum and Abner can be. Thank you very much for your reporting job and for being my guest. And before you go, for each of you, a box of these lovely flowers from the Broadway oh, florist. thank you. Ladies, if you'd like to join us here on Hollywood Tour, here's all you have to do. Simply send your name and address to Hollywood Tour, American Broadcasting Company, Hollywood 28, California. Our guest list is limited to 50 ladies each day, so please be patient. If you can't be here in person, get in on the question game. Submit three questions on Hollywood, such as the ones used each day. And if Cal uses yours, you will receive the next 12 issues of Photoplay magazine. And now, Cal, what's going on today in Hollywood? Well, Dresser, it's the Mickey Rooneys who have friends holding their breath. There is some indication that the divorce may be called off. Although studio assignments for Pev Marley continue to be on again, off again, Linda Darnell has not given up her plans for a second honeymoon. Michael North, teaching Audrey Totter how to drive, promises he will not yet turn her loose in traffic, even though I personally would consider it a real pleasure to be nudged by Audrey's bumper. A lovely little family scene took place at Enterprise the other day when Mitzi Green personally supervised the tinting of husband Joe Pevney's hair to the same reddish gold as her own. His blushing locks will make their first appearance in Body and Soul. Speaking of the body, Marie McDonald will have no trouble keeping it fed on that generous divorce settlement made by Vic Orsatti, too. Jean Arthur, who's been missing from the screen too long, will return as a congresswoman who's sent over to Berlin to investigate the morals of the G.I.s over there. I'll be waiting to see if she improves them or upsets them. Director George Seaton, fed up with the airs assumed by one of the child actors in Miracle on 34th Street, finally exploded. Come here, you. I'm going to applaud you with one hand. Joan Bennett, scheduled for a bathing scene in Secret Beyond the Door, had the Johnstone office cut the scene to a mere glimpse of her bare feet leaving the tub. And yet in utter defiance, Jack Carson emerges himself in a bubble bath for two guys from Texas. Well, all things considered, this may not be a violation of the new anti-sexiness drive. It is certainly a much less justifiable waste of bubbles. Hedy Lamar and husband John Loder will make love to each other publicly, but for one week only, when they keep a theater date in Salt Lake City during the Utah Centennial festivities. Peg Cummins took her British boyfriend, Ronald Millar, out for a roast beef dinner. He's returning to England soon, where red beef is currently just a memory. Date specialist Bentley Ryan, dining at the Bocage, had luscious Maggie Chapman for dessert. Exclusive, Mr. and Mrs. Andy Russell have secretly begun a series of recordings together under the team name Andy and Della. The first to be released soon is expected to do startling things. It's been said that when Andy sings Amor, couples head for the preacher before he's halfway through the second chorus. The insinuatingly romantic undertones in Andy's voice are undoubtedly deliberate, although he may deny this. I don't deny a thing, Kill. How do you think I got Della to marry me? Well, we've got an idea. Ladies, here he is, Della's fellow better known as Andy Russell. 
Andy, I understand that troubadour's talent of yours is a heritage from the Spanish dons of early California. It is? Well, what do you know? Me, yeah. I was born in later California in one of the toughest neighborhoods in Los Angeles. Well, just the same. I'll bet that madre and padre of yours hadn't forgotten any of the old romantic Spanish customs. I guess not. When I arrived, uh, Henry, Tommy... Eddie, Ralph, uh, Bobby, Charles, Tony, Vera, and Jenny were all there before me. <laughs> we talk about Manny, Mo, and Jack. <laughs> but maybe that mob scene you were raised in is the reason you handle kids so well today. Your Russell Sprouts have a reputation for being the best-behaved fan club in existence. Well, I try to treat them right, Cal. I used to stand in line at theaters when I was a kid myself. Mm -hmm. I'd say you were waiting for Crosby, but Bing might tell somebody my age, too. <laughs> Who was your hero? Uh, Ralph Robigo, my father. He was a movie extra, and believe me, the Robigo kids never missed a film that showed even the back of his ears on the screen. <laughs> you know, there was one with uh, Richard Barthelmus in which uh, my dad rode into sight on a big black horse yelling, Vamanos! Ah, speaking part. Yeah, we sit through every show waiting for that Vamanos, and then we tear the house up. Wonderful. <laughs> There's a hint for all actors. Grow your own fan club. <laughs> but what's your secret for controlling those rough autograph fans in New York? The ones that tear up the house and the actors, too. Well, most people run from them, Kel, and I don't. You know, kids are like a horse. If he knows you're afraid of him, he'll, uh, he'll take advantage of you and, uh... I talk to all of them. Mm -hmm. From an armored car, of course. No, no. We, uh, we, we let them in backstage five or ten at a time. It's hard work, but uh, I find it's paid off. Ah, yes. The faith and confidence of youngsters is a fine thing. But, Andy, uh, have you uh, told them about Copacabana yet? Why, uh, the, the, I think it's a pretty good picture, Cal. That's not what I mean, and you know it. Uh, oh, those, uh, those little love scenes with Carmen Miranda, uh, all in the story, you know. I, <laughs> I play a singer trying to get along. And stopping at nothing, you might say. Oh, and that, that Groucho Marx, he's the funniest fellow in the world. A really dyed-in-the-wool comedian. Ah, did you say dyed-in-the-wool? Oh, Cal, do I have to talk about that? Somebody's got to explain it to those kids. <laughs> Well, all right, here goes. I'd done some singing parts in three pictures before, and uh, I didn't like myself in any one of them, and I wouldn't sing for the lead in Copacabana unless I liked the test. So they called in the experts. And? Well, first they decided I had too much hair, and they pulled out some, and decided I had too many teeth. Uh-huh, the Yanks came. Huh? <laughs> no, they let those stay in. See? <laughs> Finally, they discovered that my hair being black made the teeth show up too white. They discussed bleaching it. Ah, face worse than dying. Oh, boy, they took me into a beauty shop and turned me out bright red. Kel, it was, it was, it was really awful. I sneaked <laughs> home and hid out all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> My heart bleeds for you, even though you're just a brownette now. <laughs> Complete improvement, I hear on the screen. They tell me your wife stuck by you, though, through the whole thing. Well, Kel, I've merely got the most wonderful wife in the world, believe me. And I think you're going to like those records we're making together. You know, Della was once a singing star at the real Copacabana in New York. I know. Incidentally, that home of yours, Casa Amor, is pretty wonderful, too. We like it. And uh, we started working on it three years before we were married. And now it's got just about everything we dreamed of. A pool, badminton, stables, tennis courts, movie theater. In fact, why don't you come on out? Say, uh, two of our lucky ladies are going to take you up on that this very afternoon. Good. And if I didn't have a date to buy your latest recording the anniversary song, I'd be with them. Well, don't let me detain you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sure to catch you on the hit parade, too, Andy. And thanks a lot, Andy Russell, for a swell. Thank you. 
And now, the news that you've been waiting to hear. Who is going to tour Hollywood today? Before we went on the air, the ladies in our audience were asked a question, and here's the answer, as sent in by Mrs. Don Gilchrist of Venice, California. Name three popular motion picture stars whose last name is Scott. Lisbeth Scott, Randolph Scott, Zachary Scott, even throw in Martha Scott. Take your choice. The first two ladies who answered these questions correctly will step into a shining Tanner Grayline limousine and be on their way to tea with Mr. and Mrs. Andy Russell at their Casa Amor and dinner at Shuggy's Tropics, noted for its exotic food and atmosphere. And tonight, a special showing of Sinbad the Sailor, the Technicolor Extravaganza, featuring Douglas Fairbanks Jr. and Maureen O'Hara to be shown on the RKO lot. But now it's time to announce the winners. I'll take my traveling mic and go out into the audience to congratulate the lucky ladies. My first winner is Mrs. Jack Wilder. Where are you, Mrs. Wilder? Stick up your mitt. Let me see. Oh, here you are over here. She's almost speechless. How are you, Mrs. Wilder? Fine. Have you ever seen Andy Russell's home? Have you ever seen a studio preview? No. Where you live? Los Angeles. Oh, I hope you speak a lot louder than that tomorrow, Mrs. Wilder, when we get together again. And my second winner is Mrs. Teresa Dwyer. Where are you, Mrs. Wire? Well, where are you from? I'm Pleasant, Pennsylvania. Well, how long have you been in Hollywood? Oh, since Thursday. Have you seen anything exciting yet? Yes, I have. Good. What have you seen? Well, I've seen the night spots. The night spots? Well, you're going to see the day spots today and have a good time, too. And I know your ladies are going to have a really swell time. Be sure that you're back here tomorrow to tell us all about it. I'll be looking for you, and I'll be looking for you, too, Mrs. Housewife. Right now, I have a date with Lassie to read the new bestseller, My Eyes Have a Cold Nose. I'll see you tomorrow. So long. We'll be looking for you again tomorrow when the American Broadcasting Company presents Hollywood Tour. If you'd like to attend the broadcast, address your request to Hollywood Tour, American Broadcasting Company, Hollywood 28. If you've enjoyed hearing Cal York today, you'll enjoy reading his exciting column in the new issue of Photoplay Magazine. Dresser Dahlstedt speaking, this program came to you from Hollywood. Have you ever thought what an important role music has played in portraying the life and culture of a nation? Great music, I mean, such as the Boston Symphony Orchestra presents in its Tuesday night concerts over most ABC stations. There's the music of Chopin, for instance. Through his lovely Polonaises, Chopin helped to glorify the colorful life of the Polish people. Then, of course, the life of the ancient Norseman comes alive in the stirring, gripping ring cycle of the immortal Wagner. As for present-day composers, you've probably all heard the famous symphonies of Shostakovich, which depict the life of his Russian countrymen during the past Great War. But one could go on and on with a countless list of composers who have recorded their country's history in music that will live forever. Music that everyone can enjoy each Tuesday evening when Serge Kusevitsky directs one of the world's finest orchestras, the Boston Symphony, in concert broadcasts heard over most of these same ABC stations. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Do you want to meet movie stars? Do you want to see a movie studio? Do you want to take a Hollywood tour? Yes, the American Broadcasting Company presents Hollywood Tour, a program for the millions of Americans who would thrill to the drama of Hollywood if they could see behind the scenes. And here to tell you all about it is Hollywood's favorite man about town, Photoplay Magazine's ace news reporter, Cal York. Well, greetings to all of you. Here in the most exclusive broadcast to originate in Hollywood, we're making it possible for many of our friends to realize the dream of a lifetime, to see movies in the making, visit homes of stars in the high spots of the town. Each day, we ask our guests a question, and the first two ladies who answer correctly are taken on a magic carpet tour of Hollywood. Today, the question is, what actresses were ladies in the following pictures? Lady in the Dark, 
Lady on a train, lady in the lake, and if you at home don't know, we'll give you the answers presently. First, I want you to meet the two ladies who took our Hollywood tour yesterday. Mrs. Ethel Duncan of Redlands, California, and her daughter, Miss Betty Duncan. And suppose, Miss Betty, you do the talking for the family and tell me where you live. Redlands, California. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you do there? Well, I'm in train to be a nurse. Right now I'm on vacation, planning to be married in June. Oh, jeepers, that's a long sentence, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Not the marriage, that's no sentence. I mean, just some time. But you're training to be a nurse where? At Loma Linda. Mm -hmm. And what does your mother do? She's a nurse also. Uh -huh. And your father? He's a doctor. Well, for heaven's sakes. You have the whole business sewed up there. <laughs> you're going to be married in June to whom? To, um, hello, Leslie Smart. Oddest <laughs> <laughs> first name I've ever heard. To hello, Leslie Smart. And, and, and you're trained to be a uh, physician and surgeon also. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> you sound pretty smart to me even before you're married, Mrs. Smart. I mean, uh, Miss Duncan, who will be Mrs. Smart. Well, now, yesterday after our broadcast, you stepped into our limousine. We're on your way to the Allied Artist Studios, where they're making The Hunted, starring uh, Preston Foster and Belita. And uh, whom did you see there, Mrs. Duncan? We saw a scene in Belita's hotel room mm -hmm. where Preston Foster, who was once her lover and now a detective, found her gun in the drawer and accused her of being the murderer. I see. He was once her lover and now a detective. Yes. Uh-huh. That's a different profession entirely. <laughs> well, we'll have to but see a lot of that. still her lover. Uh, I bet he was. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Miss Duncan, tell me, Miss Betty Duncan, uh, did you meet Preston Foster? I should say we did. He had his picture taken with us twice. And yeah. once I got to hold the murderer's, murderous's gun, and I pointed at him. <laughs> oh, he liked having his picture taken with you so much, he wanted it done twice, did he? Mm -hmm. And you were holding him up with Belita's gun? Yes, he mm -hmm. would have felt like he was being held up afterwards. He told us, not be sure not to call him uh, Robert Preston. And so when we got out, Mother presently started talking about Robert Preston instead of Preston Foster. <laughs> That's a mistake that a lot of people make. Both very handsome men, both very good actors. But in this particular case, it is Preston Foster. And uh, then after you left the Allied Artists production, you went to dinner to the world-famous restaurant, The King's, here in Hollywood. Makes my mouth water to think of it. What did you have there for dinner, Mrs. Duncan? Well, the menu was really very varied and large, that it was difficult for us to choose just what we would like. Mm -hmm. But we did take, uh, try the go Columbia River salmon. Oh, and good, Betty too. had some halibut, you know, my along with all the other good dishes. You had Hamlet, you said? <laughs> <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> well, Daddy did call it Hamlet once, though. Hamlet, oh, I see. Well, you know, my particular favorite at the King's is Eastern Lobster, flown out here daily. You know, they have a wonderful new twist on food. The King's will deliver your uh, your dinner, if you're a star, to your home. And if you're a private citizen, they'll deliver it to your home, too. I think that's kind of sweet. <laughs> and uh, after dinner... Delicious too. Salad dressing? Well, we'll smear right on by there. After dinner, you were on your way to RKO's special showing of The Farmer's Daughter at the Academy Theater. And who's in the farmer's daughter? Um, Loretta Young, Joseph Cotton, and a very charming Ethel Barrymore. Mm -hmm. What's the picture and about? And we should Duncan? include Clancy, the butler. He was excellent. Oh, we'll throw Clancy in, too. <laughs> well, ladies, you, you know what you have to say about this day sounds to me as if it's been very exciting. I'm delighted you had such a good time. Thank you for being my guest. And here, for each of you, a special treat. A personally autographed 11 by 14 picture of Lorraine Day, currently starring in The Locket for RKO. And two for each of you, a box of these lovely flowers from the Broadway florist. Ladies, our guest seats there are invited to our broadcast by invitation suitable for a place in your scrapbook. Simply send your name and address to Hollywood Tour, American Broadcasting Company, Hollywood 28, California. Our guest list is limited to 50 ladies each day, so please be patient. 
And if you can't be here in person, get in on the question game. Submit three questions on Hollywood, such as the ones used each day. And if Cal uses yours, you will receive the next 12 issues of Photoplay magazine. And now, Cal, that famous question, what's going on today in Hollywood? Well, dresser, Hoagie Carmichael, who's taken a lot of ribbing since the Academy Award Goldwynism, which labeled him Hugo, doesn't mind it at all. Shucks, in school, he told me, they used to call me hogwash. <laughs> Myrna Loy has licked the telephone strike. She's hired a small boy with a motor scooter to deliver messages from her Pacific Palisades home. And next time Raymond Massey has to do a boudoir scene, he's going to ask for stunt pay. In Morning Becomes Electra, he is required to leap from his bed to strike at his screen wife, Katina Paxino. And at the command, action, Ray leaped, got tangled in his long nightshirt, and fell on his pockets. <laughs> Except that he wasn't wearing pockets. At any rate, he wound up with an injured dignity. <laughs> Jesse Lasky is looking for someone to play a rotter in RKO's apple tree. And trying to outcad one another for the role are George Sanders, Vincent Price, and Steve Cochran. It's rumored that after putting these three prize villains through their paces, a dialogue director cut his hand on a page of script and is now expecting word poisoning. Which reminds me that Dan Duryea's next picture for Universal International will be Black Bart, story of the famous San Francisco thief who never used a gun, but identified his crimes by pieces of poetry left at the scene. I haven't read the jingles, but it's a cinch the picture's most intriguing lines will be those supplied by Ivan DiCarlo. Punch, Cornell Wilde's little black dog, now knows what an actor's life is like. After getting a part in home stretch and bragging to all his pooch pals in the neighborhood about it, Punch wound up on the cutting room floor. Nelson Eddy, tuning up his tonsils for a concert tour. Good news for Easterners who are hungry for shortening bread. Mickey Rooney, toning up his muscles with shadow boxing and early morning jogging for his role in Killer McKay. Dale Evans, Republic's delightful singing star, has sunk some of the loot earned as queen of those golden westerns into her first home of her own. The purchase is by way of celebrating her recent transition from perpetual prairie sweetheart to straight dramatic star. In The Trespasser, romance of newspapers and nightclubs, Dale steps out of her riding skirts and into slinky satins for the very first time, which, if I know my actresses, should make her feel like a new woman. That's not what I'm celebrating, Cal. In this picture, I feel just like a new man. Well, <laughs> either way, we still have a feeling for you. And ladies, <laughs> the queen of the westerns, until then came the drama, lovely little Dale Evans. Hello there. Mm. Which is what I'm saying these days instead of howdy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you'll go far with it, too. Confidentially, I know you hold some sort of a record as one of the busiest little stars of screen and radio. Just how many pictures have you made? I have made 24 pictures in three years, or eight a year. Mm. All with a ride, a rope, and a rescue. <laughs> That's right. Well, after that, I imagine playing a nightclub hostess must be a nice rest. You do? Mm. Cal, have you ever waved a heavy pair of false eyelashes all day? Uh... Not that I remember. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first day, honestly, my eyes were so tired it was a job just to roll them at the hero. You see, this is my first experience at uh, making passes. <laughs> well, uh, uh, tell us more about your new personality. Well, my dialogue is a little different. As an outdoor gal, I was always the frank, uninhibited type, you know, always talking right up. But now I have to be a little more restrained. You know, it's always hard for a girl to be restrained. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, to a male, this is all very interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. What other technicalities did you discover in your change from the gals of the wide-open faces? Well, for one thing, it was a relief to get my hair back to its natural brown color and to give up those blowing blonde tresses for a sophisticated coronet. I understand there's nothing left a girl like enough to... <laughs> no, or like a new wardrobe. 
I'm just reveling in floor-length evening dresses and sequins and furs, and it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I hear you've changed your off-screen wardrobe, too. Yes, Cal. I used to try to stick to the Western motif in my own clothes as much as possible. You know, Western shirts and skirts and calfskin shoes and bags. And I used to have even my cocktail dresses designed with nail heads and fringe. And even on a formal, I used to wear a rhinestone horse instead of a buckle. Well... Where are they now, being made over for Roy Rogers? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just gave them away, but quick. They didn't match my new voice anyway. I don't want to brag, but in The Trespasser, I sing my first torch song. And it's called, It's Not the First Love, It's the Last. Well, a handier sentiment for an indoor girl than, say, the Yellow Rose of Texas. <laughs> and does this new torch singing do something for you, too? Plenty. Hmm? Do you remember how at the end of every single picture the hero used to ride off into the sunset with his horse and just leave me standing there? Yes, I do. But I always knew it took a strong, silent man to do it. <laughs> well, this time I not only get to keep him, but I also rate my first green kiss, which after 24 pictures is just about time, don't you think? I think so. From where I sit, I'm sure your leading man, Douglas Fowley, thought so, too. <laughs> but how do your thousands of kid fans feel now there's no more riding up hills and heroes fighting over Dale? And... Well, Cal, I have to be honest. They're not very happy about it, which makes me a little unhappy, too. Most of the little girls are riding me for a photograph and Western costume. They want to remember me that way, they say. Now that you're uh, lost, straight, or stolen, huh? Mm hmm But while we're getting used to your new roles on the screen, what do you do off-screen, Dale? Oh, fix up my new house, mostly. Well, you better tell us something about that. Well, it's just a little Spanish bungalow and a small one, but big enough for me and my dog and cat. It has a guest house in the rear, and, well, the whole thing sort of makes me feel like a woman of professions. And when I'm not house-fixing, I like to fish. Fish? Mm-hmm. Ah, well, all this talk of screen yeah. heroes, have you uh, caught anything in private life? Cal. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now I'm just a little too busy for romance. Although, maybe I'll try it later. That is, after I've trained a little more on my new technique. Well, you let me know if you want to learn some new holes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Until then, it's been wonderful having you with us, Dale Evans. We'll be watching for you in The Trespassers, that Republic picture, and see you again here real soon. Too. Thank you, Carl. Thanks, folks. Well, now the news that you've been waiting to hear. Who's going to tour Hollywood today? Before we went on the air, the ladies in our audience were asked a question. And here is the question again and the answer, as sent in by Mrs. Lewis Whitaker of New York, New York, New York. What actresses were ladies in the following pictures? Lady in the Dark, Ginger Rogers. Lady on a Train, Deanna Durbin. And the Lady in the Lake was Audrey Totter. And the first two ladies who answered the question correctly will step into a shining Tanner Gray Line limousine and be on their way to lunch with our charming guest star, Dale Evans, at Glenn Billingsley's restaurant opposite Columbia Studio on Sunset Boulevard. Then to Eagle Lion Studio, where they're filming Love from a Stranger, starring John Hodiak, Sylvia Sidney, and Ann Richards. And tonight, to a preview of the Hunt Stromberg production, Dishonored Lady, starring Haiti Lamar, Dennis O'Keefe, and John Loder. Now it's time to announce the winners. I'll take my traveling mic, go out in the audience, congratulate the lucky ladies, and, well, look at this. My first winner is Mrs. Frank Alexander. Oh, well, congratulations, Mrs. Alexander. Where are you from? Where from? St. Louis. And how long have you been in Hollywood? Oh, I've been here about five months. Have you ever seen the movie studios? No, I haven't. Well, good for you. And my second winner is Miss Ruth Markle. Right there. Well, congratulations, Miss Markle. Where are you? Right here? Where do you go to school? 
I don't go to you school. You don't? You look like a schoolgirl to me. Have you ever oh, seen any studios? No, I haven't. Well, you're going to have fun today, both of you. Be sure that you're back here on Monday to meet my guest, Jimmy Gleason, and tell me all about your tour. Right now, I have a date with a tamale in Tijuana. A blonde tamale. See you later. Bye. We'll be looking for you again Monday when the American Broadcasting Company presents Hollywood Tour. If you'd like to see the broadcast, address your request to Hollywood Tour, American Broadcasting Company, Hollywood 28. And if you enjoyed hearing Cal York today, you'll enjoy reading his exciting column in the new issue of Photoplay Magazine. Dresser Dahl said speaking, this program came to you from Hollywood. A high spot of the listening week. It's the Murder and Mr. Malone Show, which we bring you every Saturday night over most of these ABC stations. Craig Rice is the scripter of this tense, tingling mystery thriller. That's right, the one and only Craig Rice, the popular lady who has dreamed up all those mysteries that line your library walls. That is, if you are a mystery fan. But if it so happens you aren't, try Murder and Mr. Malone anyway. You will be then, because here's a show that mixes crime with one of the cleverest criminal lawyers around town. Yes, sir, John J. Malone, who answers more readily to Johnny bumps into breathtaking adventure with every step he takes. For a whodunit that'll bring you back every Saturday night for more, join Johnny Malone on another mystery mission tomorrow night. And be sure to be on hand every Saturday night for the Murder and Mr. Malone show on the air over most of these same ABC stations. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.